Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hi, everyone. Welcome to Gang for Gold, the weekly women's health podcast. My name's Roisin. I'm senior editor on women's health, and this is your weekly chance to plug in, be inspired, and get expert advice on how to achieve the health and wellness goals that matter most to you. When you consider just how foundational sleeping well is to every element of how we feel and function, it's pretty surprising that we've made it to nearly 30 episodes of Going for Goal without ever dedicating a whole episode to it. But today we very much are, since sleeping soundly is something that's become an increasingly elusive goal over the past few months. Loads of you have been in touch to ask for help with everything from drifting off to managing those early hour wake-ups. But this is an issue that extends like far beyond our little women's health community. You'll likely have seen the King's College London survey that found over two-thirds of participants have been experiencing some sort of sleep disturbance in lockdown. So what exactly could be going on? And how do you get your slumber and whole health back on track if it's out of whack? In today's episode, I'm joined by two women who, respectively, have a real wealth of knowledge about the psychology and chronobiology of sleep. That last one is all to do with your body's internal clock, by the way, but more on that later. They are Dr. Shelby Harris, a clinical psychologist and specialist voice in the area of behavioural sleep medicine. She's a practicing clinician in New York and also author of The Women's Guide to Overcoming Insomnia. Then there's Dr. Catherine Liedler, who's an expert in human sleep and fatigue with over 10 years of research experience. She's also a sleep consultant who helps people unlock better sleep and with that healthier lives. Her book Sleep Sense is also out now. Together we cover a lot of ground, such as why cycling in and out of lockdown can sabotage our sleep, why some of the old sleep rules need rewriting, and why now, with an increase of things like childcare and other domestic labour falling disproportionately on women over lockdown, women's sleep is under threat and really needs protecting. Ready to build a healthy sleep life in order to feel and function better? Of course you are. Let's go. Okay, so Dr. Catherine Liedler and Dr. Shelby Harris, welcome both to Going for Goal. Hello. Hi, thanks for having me. I cannot wait to get stuck into this topic with you both. But before, I want to be a little bit nosy. Um, how did you guys sleep last night? Because I slept absolutely terribly. Um, I slept okay. I'm sleeping. I'm actually living with my parents for the next month and a half. We live, I live in New York City, so I needed some childcare help. So I'm sleeping okay, but I always can hear my kids in the next door room. So I'm kind of sleeping with one ear open, just kind of getting them settled a little bit for the next month or so. Yeah, I bet. How about, what about you, Dr. Kat? Uh, I must say I slept fine and that's probably because it's been a bit cooler 
uh, last week was was quite hot. So um, I noticed that. And so I, yeah, I felt, well, yeah, slept quite well. I'm very envious, but also very happy to hear it. <laughs> so we're talking all about sleep and how people can get the the best night's sleep possible in the face of all the disruptions that we've had in the past few months and that look set to continue. Starting with Dr. Shelby, can you both explain a little bit about how you came to be working in this field? Um, when I was an undergraduate at Brown University, they had a really interesting sleep class. And it was one of the most popular courses by a woman named Mary Karskadden. And I just fell in love with it then. And then I just started doing some uh, research in addictions and sleep. And we found that when people started sleeping better and early recovery, it actually reduced their relapse rates. And it started to make me think that when you get people sleeping better, it really does impact so many areas of their lives. And so I just really wanted to be, I, I always wanted to be a clinical psychologist, but I saw that if we really made that impact on sleep and focused on sleep, and you can do it for many people in a very short-term way, it can impact so many other areas of their lives. And that's really how I got down that path. Fascinating. What about you, Dr. Kat? I got into it is a little bit different. Um, I think it, so for me, it started off with chronobiology and circadian rhythm and the, the timing system that we have. Um, and from there, I sort of entered uh, the sleep field. And for me, it's really the interface of, of both uh, the sleep and the circadian aspect and, and how they play together um, in sleep, but overall um, for our well-being in, in life. Before we get into the particulars of this current moment, I think let's clear up some terminology. So when we talk about circadian rhythms, um, in what's a kind of simple explanation for what those actually are and how important they how important a role they play in our lives? Sure, good question. So circadian rhythms uh, relate to your circadian system. And here you can think of you have a body clock that's an area in your brain. Um, and this body clock sets the timing for everything that happens in your in your body. So it's a bit like the conductor in an orchestra and all the different organs in, in your body or different processes and the different cells, they're all the different musicians and they can all play on their own. Um, but in order to really be able to play beautifully, that beautiful symphony that we want to hear, you need a conductor and that's your, your body clock. And now your body clock again uh, needs regular light input so that the conductor know where it knows when the concert is starting and when it's ended. I literally just received this email as we got on the call and it was for, it was a lovely email from um, a listener called Meg and she basically, she is really struggling because she wants to be able to get in place these healthy habits, but she is, well, she's a key worker. She works for the NHS. She works in the ambulance service. Um, and she said something that kind of really gave me pause. And it was that everything that we say, it kind of comes back to this idea of having a healthy routine and setting in place as routines. But obviously that's some, not something she has the privilege to do. Why can shift work be so disruptive? Um, because we're working against our internal body clock. The body clock has evolved, um, or our body has evolved to function and be active in the daytime when it's light mm. and to, to rest, to sleep, to slow down when it's dark. And any shift worker, they, um, for some time when they're working in the day and sleep at night, all is fine, but because that's the nature of shift work, right? It changes. Uh, they have to work against what the body clock and what the body wants. Um, and it's, 
what's really bad is actually the constant shift that it's that they're always changing when they work. Um, after a few days of one shift, you go onto another one and maybe even a third one. It depends. And so the body can never, ever really settle. And that's where we then see problems, sleep problems, but other metabolic problems come up as well. Just to bring us back onto something that is a probably a near universal experience at the moment, the coronavirus pandemic, lockdown, our adjusted lives and schedules, people are getting really frustrated at the fact that they're not able to sleep properly. Because for people that are able to uh, work from home, who aren't key workers, you're not having to, you probably gain about an extra three hours in your day from not having to commute. And it's like, brilliant, I'll go to sleep earlier. So it'll be a great way to kind of catch up on that. And for loads of people, it just hasn't worked. Dr. Shelby, do you have any idea why this current moment has been so disruptive on people's sleep patterns? From an insomnia perspective, when we think about it, like stress throws everyone off, right? So a few weeks, a month of stress makes a lot of people, myself included, sleep poorly. So when we're told, especially like in New York, just like you guys, stay home, everything has changed, distance learning, all this sort of stuff, things change, your stress response happens and sleep doesn't happen as well. That's natural. However, for a lot of people, after a few weeks of that, you, it starts to normalize and you start to almost adjust to the new pattern of what life looks like. But there's still a large subset of people who haven't been sleeping as well. And the reason that we think that is happening is that part of it is that you're having stress still going on. But the other thing is that we've changed some of our habits to try and deal with the fact that we're not sleeping. So I'm not sleeping well at night. So now I can sleep in a little bit later. I can compensate for the fact that I haven't been sleeping. So maybe I'll go to bed earlier or I'll sleep in or I don't have to do something in the middle of the day. So maybe I'll try and take some naps. I'll drink some extra coffee. People start relying a lot more on this with the stress and the anxiety and just not sleeping. They're drinking more alcohol, relying on over-the-counter medications. And people after about a month or two, start really worrying about sleep more. So they start focusing on it. I have to sleep tonight. Otherwise, X, Y, Z is going to happen. I'm not going to be able to do this. And what we find is that after about a month or two of not sleeping, for a lot of people, it's those behaviors, the lack of routine, the lack of exercise, things becoming much looser, that mm. actually starts to maintain the insomnia. So it's the things you're trying to do to get more sleep because you didn't sleep as well at the beginning that's actually getting you in hot water. So we, I'm trying now to focus on those behaviors that people have changed to get them sleeping better because we're not going to be able to change the lockdown issue. We can change how we respond to it from a structure behavioral way and also just limiting news exposure and all that sort of stuff too. You've really focused on women's sleep. Is there an argument that sleep issues and insomnia are, um, of course they affect men as well, but is there an argument that they are a real issue in particular for women? Oh yeah. Um, so for sure, there's a higher rate of insomnia in women, for, um, definitely, even pre-COVID issues. There's hormonal changes. Women are just hit the jackpot. So when you're talking about um, even, we actually see, it's interesting, there's the same rates of sleep issues in boys and girls up until adolescence. And then women, when girls start to get their menses, that's when sleep problems actually start to become an issue. So some women start to have rates of inso higher rates of insomnia just before they, they get their period. Um, and then you think about pregnancy, pregnancy hormones, that can sh 
really even throw people off. I know I had a lot of insomnia when I was in my first and third months uh, or third trimesters of pregnancy. Then once the baby comes, your hormones are all out of whack. And then the biggest period that we see a lot of time is um, perimenopause when there's Mm. um, dropping spikes and drops in testosterone, estrogen, and that can continue for a long time. Hot flashes. We just, the hormones really can throw us out of whack a lot more. Interesting. And perimenopause, it's one of those things that people didn't really, I think it was underestimated for quite a long time, but now people know it can hit in your, in your 30s. It can hit much sooner than we would have traditionally thought of. For sure. Mm. It's, it's, and there are a number of women in their mid to late 30s who are starting perimenopause who are in shock, um, but that really can sometimes be the first signal of insomnia for them. Interesting. Interesting. So something to bear in mind if you are around that kind of age and stage. Mm-hmm. Um and what about you, um, Dr. Kat? What do you think about this moment is is kind of feeding into people's struggle to sleep? Obviously, some people will have always had sleep issues and they are reporting that they are experiencing these more severely. But also some people are struggling with sleep who probably haven't even before. What's, what are the defining factors in both of these groups? I think Shelby could summarize it quite well well typically yeah there's a stressful situation it sort of resolves but you've changed sort of lifestyle and certainly the worry about sleep has set in for us what continues is the uncertainty Mm -hmm. um and that's that's for all of us in one way or another i think some people are more much more directly impacted by by the virus and the pandemic and the lockdown than others but nevertheless we all have that sort of invisible weight on on our shoulders so that's there this this not knowing not knowing really what will happen next and that in itself is a is a great question for our mind um because you know then it can come up with planning so many different multiple you know virtual scenarios of, of what might happen and then also how do i prepare for this best um and so there's a lot of activity i think in in the brain or i'd be i'd be really curious to see you know whether anyone is doing studies um whether that is the case but from what clients tell me um it th- that's very much sounds sounds like it and then certainly the change in in routines and we are having even less natural light than we had before um and lockdown i i do believe you know that was the right way to go um but it it, it reduced the amount of us spending outdoors even even more um and i think that's another big impact that's that's coming and related to that it is the change in routines and change in routines means again for our brain that it becomes unsettled and maybe a little bit unsafe because it needs routines and that's where the body clock comes in um, again to sort of know what's coming next and to prepare us and that's all gone out of the window and we're slowly piecing that back together but whatever we're piecing back together is is going to change again yeah. Um, so there's a lot. And uh, also, um, you said in the beginning, you know, we're not commuting anymore. So we have that extra time. And that's true. But a lot of people I've spoken to, they now solely use that time for work. Whereas before part of that commute, they would have read or listened to a podcast. Uh, mm. But now they they already go to their um, desk at eight o'clock uh, and come come leave the desk at 10 or 11 even. So um not everyone can actually use this this commute time as as a way of letting go or slowly preparing i think for a lot of people it's still 
into the working day and then sort of out and into sleep. And these changes are happening too quickly, too abruptly, um, so that the body actually can't really adjust either way. Yeah, that's the whole thing, isn't it? When we talk about sleep hygiene and one of the, the real like hallmark pieces of advice that I'm sure we'll come to later is this idea of having a uh, like a pre-bed routine. It's like sleep need, sleep likes those small built up transitions, doesn't it? It doesn't like you're doing this activity and now I need you to relax. Personally, I'm not such a fan of the word sort of routine. It's very strict. Um, so that that's just my personal take on it. I prefer healthy habits or rituals. It's a bit softer. It's a bit more, it can be adapted. Whereas routines and rules, I can break them. And then what does it say about me? Um, but mm-hmm. fundamentally, having a set of yeah habits or, or rituals are a bit like signposting to, to the body, hey, sleep is on its way. And if, if you think about driving anyone who's driving on the motorway at I don't know 100 miles an hour or kilometers you know you are in in the fifth gear and then you want to come off the motorway you don't go from the fifth gear and you yank it down straight into gear number one you would slowly go from fifth into fourth into third into second right so it's this slowly changing and it's important for us as well because we are a human being we're a biological system we're not a machine you know we, we can't just change from one mode to the other like we do with a light switch we need time and that's where the signposting comes in and I think that's where yeah healthy habits come in or little rituals to help the body the brain get the message okay we're changing over here we're shifting and the same actually goes for the morning as well it's not just about the evening you want to the way you want to detach in the evening you want to reattach in the morning to your day I just a thought on what we were saying earlier about almost the gender gap that exists within sleep. It's interesting to think how maybe this might be exacerbated during lockdown. I'm sure you guys will have seen the reports that came out about the people who are taking on like domestic chores and childcare and so much of this is falling to women, even more so in lockdown than it was previously. And that just really made me think when you were saying there how important it is to to kind of let the brain disengage and re-engage, like turn up to being awake to wakefulness and turn down to falling asleep. And I wonder how that's probably going to be even more of an issue for women. So it's not only the hormonal stuff that's going on, but surely if women's time, women's free time, non-working time is being increasingly encroached upon, this is something that we're going to have to really, really pay attention to. Yeah, this extra labour and the way that the woman mm. has um, or is, is taking on. That's affecting sleep, I think, um, psychologically, emotionally, as well as, you know, don't write to not being able to go to bed on time because there's just so much else still to do. And um, there are differences, and uh, shall be alluded to this early on already, but with uh, between the sexes, the difference in sleep, and it's also in the chronobiology and the circadian um, system differences that women, as sort of a general finding, um, have earlier bedtimes than men. Um, but if we have this long list of things to do, uh, we're then pushing back our bedtime, and that can actually then not only shorten the duration of a sleep, but also have an impact on the quality of the sleep. And then you're adding in the hormonal changes that, that are there, naturally happening or fluctuations. Um, and, yeah, you know, it's, it's quite easy to see why more women than men have insomnia. Yeah. Do you think, Dr. Shelby, then, is there an argument then that sleep, especially uh, in this era of lockdown, do you think there is then more so than ever an argument that sleep could be seen as a feminist issue? 
I think it's going to be a big issue with women just not getting work done. It's going to be a real domestic um, and a feminist issue overall with people just not getting, there, there's going to have to be a divide in the house of people getting things done, or it has to be a conversation between whoever lives there that we have to divide things. We have to be equal about it because right now it's falling a lot on the women and it's just their work is suffering as a result. It's, you yeah. can't do it all. You just can't. Absolutely. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is PlushCare. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact? You can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. And moving on then, so Dr. Kat, I love what you were saying about you kind of taking issue with the word sleep routine. Why do you think it's helpful to think about these things in terms of rituals? It sounds a bit more juicy and like wellnessy and self-care off the top of my head, but is there a more is there a more <laughs> solid reason why it's better to think of them as such? I think it's probably personal preference, uh, which which words you you resonate with. But for me, uh, rituals and and habits, there is an element of of self-care, but uh, the other part for me is is routines and and rules um, is about what if I break them, right? What? How do I treat myself? The inner monologue that happens when I'm breaking a rule, and that could often be something like, "Oh, you're a bad person. You're just not good enough. Why didn't you say no to that second glass of wine?" Right? Um, and then you set that this whole inner monologue that then comes the inner critic, basically, that's what I'm getting at. Um, mm -hmm. And that means you're harsh on yourself, you're bullying yourself, like other people externally can bully you. And that will lead to a whole lot of so-called negative emotions. Um, and they are more arousing than calming and relaxing. Um, and so for me, the thought is healthy sleep habits, you, you can adapt them more. They still have, you know, importance, but there isn't this breaking the rules. I agree. I think it's the rigidity that's the aspect is that some people think that I'm gonna, like, you have to do everything. And like you were saying, it creates more anxiety if you break some rule. But I, I like just consistency. I think of it like a healthy diet and lifestyle, right? If you do these things as much as you can, as consistently as possible, you're going to have a healthy sleep, ha not habits, but healthy sleep lifestyle overall. But it doesn't mean you have to be perfect, 
You don't have to do things perfectly every single night and it will lessen the anxiety and the pressure you put on yourself. It's just another thing that we need to do just to be healthy overall. But it's the, it's that, that like list of things that people say, I have to do X, Y, Z before I go to bed that I think just worsens the problem for some people. Especially when we're talking about overwhelm with tasks. Mm. Yeah. And I have some patients that have, um, forms, variations of like obsessive compulsive disorder, and they get so obsessive with it that it really, if they don't do all the things that are listed sleep hygiene wise, they definitely in their head won't sleep. So for some of them, I actually have them break a lot of the sleep hygiene kind of rules and habits and things that are set in stone and show them that, yes, we want to do a lot of these things, but it's the anxiety that you place on yourself that actually can make it even worse a lot of the times. That's such a good point. Um, What are some of the habits that you'd suggest they build into their routine? Dr. Kat, let's start with you. Um, So regularity around bedtime and sleep time is, uh, is for me key. And also there will be an exploration what happens sort of what time is dinner, what happens after dinner before going to bed. Um, so looking looking at that. Um, but then also specifically, so what happens when you are in bed and to lights go off, sort of, you know, proverbial head hits the pillow, what, what happens then? Mm-hmm. And um, if not before, that's certainly the moment where the anxiety um, and sort of the, the unwanted thoughts come in. And for me, the first step is to help uh, the client really understand what's going on um, because I believe the better they understand what's going on, there is an element of um, maybe safeness, um, certainly not knowing what's happening and feeling out of uh, control and not having any power, uh, you know, will make us feel unsafe and insecure. And that, again, drives the anxiety that physiologically uh, drives the hyperarousal or arousal and so the wakefulness continues. So helping them understand that what they are experiencing, while it is deeply unpleasant, it's actually very normal. It's the normal biological machinery at work, just maybe not really at the right time. Um, and then for me, the next step is working with what's so unpleasant, the thoughts, potentially the anxiety, and uh, learning ways of allowing allowing what's happening and by allowing we no longer struggling um, and by not struggling anymore you may not fall asleep immediately but you no longer in this aroused or hyper aroused state you enter a relaxed a calmer state from which then it's easier for sleep to to emerge. Dr Shelby what about you what's your what are some of the fundamentals that you recommend to your clients? Um, the fundamentals that I think all highlighting the stuff that Dr Kat was saying that what I tend to do too is I um, I work a lot on right now, especially in the COVID area. I'm trying to figure out not just what they're doing pre bedtime and dinner time. For a lot of patients, I'm trying to figure out what are you doing during the day right now. So I work a lot with patients of all ages. I have a lot of older adults that I work with who are really they're dozing a lot during the day, napping, and just not active, getting light exposure. So I'm trying to even give a mild routine during the day. So I'm working with that. And then like we were just saying, you know, trying to time bedtime with when you're actually sleepy, not just tired and wanting to put an end to the day because it's a long day and it's feeling kind of boring and you you just don't know what else to do. So I'm working with patients, understanding the difference between fatigue and sleepiness. And then the other big thing is that like we were just saying is that there's that idea of 
trying to force yourself to go to sleep and then you get anxious about it and you get tense and you worry about, am I going to sleep tonight? I have to sleep. Why am I not falling asleep? And the more you get in your head, the more it's not going to happen. So I've been working more with a lot of patients on just building a meditation practice during the day because, and that can be something as simple as one or two minutes of teaching them to meditate, be aware of their thoughts, let the thoughts go. And there are a million different ways we can do meditation because that helps you if you practice it during the day, when you get in bed at night, notice those thoughts about trying to force sleep to happen, thinking a lot about sleep, just letting it go and letting the natural body's process take place. Because the less you try to force it, the more it's going to happen. So it's not about laying in bed doing meditations. It's more about doing it to the day so you can be more aware of your thoughts and just let them go. So I've been focusing on that a lot. And then the one other big thing that I do a lot too is that when people are in bed, I'm like, no tech, nothing like that in bed. I don't want them doing that. If you're laying there tossing and turning, you cannot sleep. After about a half hour max, I have them just get up, go sit somewhere else, do something quiet, relaxing, dim light. I don't want them to force sleepiness to happen. Just do something to pass the time. Because if you're laying in bed, tossing and turning for a long time, you're just going to make the problem worse. Just Mm. get out. It'll change the thought process. Do a puzzle. Do some coloring. Dim light. No screens. When you're actually sleepy, go back to bed. Don't force it. When you're sleepy, go back to bed and try to get up at the same time on a routine basis. That's really the wake time is what I focus on a lot with people too, is trying to get up at the same time every day. And say if someone, so that's another issue I wanted to talk about is people having disrupted sleep. And that's great advice for what to do if you, you, you wake up in the middle of the night and it's not your normal wake time, but you just don't feel like you can sleep. Um, if someone is waking up in the middle of the night, say they're waking up at four in the morning, their wake, normal wake up time is seven. Um, how important is it that they still wake up at the same time, even if they feel tired? And how long can you even put a timeline on it for how long they will have to wake up at that wake time for it to become a habit? If someone wakes up a lot in the middle of the night, I always try to just make sure as well that there's nothing else medically going on. So if they're not snoring, sometimes those things can cause um, awakenings in the night, frequent urination. That can be a sign of some mild sleep apnea. Um, Mm -hmm. Rates are going up. And you know what? With a lot of people gaining a lot of weight right now from COVID, rates of sleep apnea are going to likely go even higher. Mm -hmm. So if you're snoring, choking, gasping, even in women, this, this snoring is not like the loud kind of snoring that we often will see. Um, that's something to consider. But if you wake up in the middle of the night and hormonal things can also cause people to wake up. But if you wake up, we don't want you sleeping in a lot in the morning. It's not ideal. If you keep the same wake time and you go to bed at the same time, ideally that's going to help compress sleep. And we have something called sleep restriction. It sounds very severe. But if you spend a little less time in bed, go to bed a little later, but wake up at the same time, for some people, it actually helps consolidate and compress your sleep throughout the night. Um, There are great ways, there are resources. My book has it. I know there are a lot of resources online that teach people how to do it. You don't want to restrict yourself severely, but a little less time in bed can actually help with the awakenings in the middle of the night. So that's one other way to consider it too. Interesting. Because we kind of think that that like the sleep, the, the sleep halo comes from that like 10 p.m. bedtime. Yeah, it goes it goes against common sense. I often think sometimes common sense is what creates a lot of the issues with insomnia, right? <laughs> I have to go to bed early. I need to sleep in. I need to nap. I need to think a lot about sleep, take things to make me sleep. And sometimes that's actually what gets you in trouble. 
to your point there about people following their body's kind of natural rhythms, some people are having a great time because they're thinking, right, especially people who are, you know, owls as opposed to larks, so more evening people and like to wake up later. If they were on, you know, they needed to be at their desk for quarter to nine every morning and they're actually able to be more flexible. I think some of those people from stuff I've read, people are getting quite stressed now about the return those people are stressing because they're thinking, hang on a minute, I've kind of got myself. The normal the normal was really worked totally against my body. And now I've kind of got myself into a routine which actually supports that. How does someone negotiate that about how does someone negotiate that and keep this uh this routine that supports their own circadian rhythm and their own health when they have to kind of get back on someone else's schedule so i think that's where it's not just the individual it's society as a whole i agree a hundred percent i'm so glad you're talking about this but the reality is is that i think we also do have to realize that we want things to start later and be more based on a more normal circadian rhythm, but people are going to have to adjust it somehow in the next few months when school uh, schools or work reopen. And I'm getting questions about that already. And what I'm recommending to people, it's not ideal, is just slowly start to shift a little bit earlier. If you're not going back to work for another month or two, just be try to be consistent as best you can in a bedtime week time. Try to at least stabilize that. And if you can, just maybe go to bed 15 minutes earlier, wake up 15 minutes earlier every few days so that you can slowly shift your schedule earlier. You just want to do it as gradually as possible so that come workday, it's not like, oh, I've got to wake up two, three hours earlier because that's going to be the harsh reality for you. Yeah. The rude awakening, literally. Right. Right. It's just (laughs) our bodies are not meant to do this. They aren't. But if we can at least gradually try to change ourselves over time, that would be better than that rude awakening you were talking about. Yeah, absolutely. I would love to get some tips from both of you, the best ones that you often dole out to people you work with or that you think could 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 help anyone who is listening who's looking to get their sleep in a better place. Dr. Kat, can I have a couple from you, please? Uh, having the regularity of your, of your sleep times, of your light exposure, the morning light exposure. And um, it's about preparing for your nighttime sleep starts the moment you you wake up really and it's it's remembering remembering that putting in place uh healthy sleep habits yeah that start in in the day um and it starts with the regularity and the light exposure in the morning and what are some other of those what are some more of those healthy sleep habits that you could put in place in the day for me little mini breaks and i think that relates to what dr shelby was talking about the the meditation um using that as an opportunity but little mini breaks where we just step back for a moment because we have these incredibly busy fast paced days where there is constant demand put towards us and we respond and give, give, give in a way. Um, but there's little time for our brain to really process what's going on and also process what's important for us personally. And that then mm. often happens in the evening or at night uh, when we want to sleep. So having these little mini breaks where we just sort of step back um, and sort of check in with ourselves, but also realize, okay, I've done this task. I might not have done the entire project, um, but I've done this. So helping the brain realize things have been achieved. Again, we have this problem-solving machine, right? Um, so we, we need to kind of help help it in that way. Uh, then I think there's also, I mean, the behavioral watching, you know, 
what you eat, when you eat, what you what you drink around caffeine, alcohol, um, exercise, uh, the healthy diet, the regular meal times, dinner not too late. That's again important for your body clock to support the metabolic health and and your sleep. Absolutely right, Dr. Shelby. What about you? Um, I agree a hundred percent with the daytime. We have to really try and give ourselves. I prep the day really helps for the night. So one of the things I'm a big fan of is I use something called the meditation bell and you can do it on anything. You can set an alarm. It doesn't matter, but the meditation bell you can set to go off at random intervals. Some people love it. Some people want to chuck their phone out the window, but (laughs) when they, when the bell goes off, it's like a gong and it just makes you stop in whatever you're doing and just take a mindful break for a second. And I love it. Some of my patients really find that you can be in the moment doing things and you'll have gone for two hours and not have actually just focused on like the world around you or eaten or anything or stood up. So it makes you just stop, realize what you're doing and just take a pause. Um, I'm also a fan of during the day, eating lunch, setting an actual time to eat lunch and eat lunch away from your desk. That's a huge one for me. Um, Mm -hmm. When it comes to nighttime, I... Things like screens, I like people to be away from screens. I always tell everyone to just go old school with whatever it is you're doing. So stay away from screens, read an old school book if you can, puzzles, find some coloring, do some meditation, do something that is calming to yourself, your body and your brain. Um, And then consistency with bedtime and wake time. And the last thing, like I had mentioned before, is if you can't sleep, just get up, go do something else. Don't force it. But I also don't want you to sit up in the middle of the night, just sitting there, just staring in the dark. Do something to pass the time that's quiet, calm and relaxing. Get back in bed when you're actually sleepy again. And you might have to do it a few times, but the more you're out of bed, the more you won't train your body that the bed is a place to be awake, tossing and turning, forcing sleep to happen. And the final thing that I'm having a lot of people do is um, limit, I had alluded to this earlier, is limiting news exposure. So we're on our phones a lot, getting email alerts, text alerts of the newest news, whatever it is. Really try, I, at the beginning of this whole thing, I limited it to 30 minutes. I would get my um, local governor's uh, information and I would just do it at noon every day because it was pertinent to what I needed to know for where I lived, Mm. what the stats were nearby. And that was it. 30 minutes, nothing more. And then after that, I really tried to limit social media too, because sometimes social media would be a connection with the outside world when you're isolated. But sometimes it can be even just more anxiety arousing. So really be thoughtful about how you use the internet. But news 30 minutes earlier in the day, and that's really it for right now. you got to cut it off at some point. I love that. So replace that dramatic news alert tone with a lovely gong that you'll have like a healthy Pavlovian response to and just wants to sit and close your eyes and take a nice breath. Okay, both of you. It was so interesting. So interesting to talk to you. Um, If people still aren't prioritizing sleep, so say if it's not necessarily that they are struggling with insomnia or stress, but they're still not prioritizing getting enough sleep, what would be your sell to them for why sleep is so important? It's such an important thing to prioritize. Um, Dr. Kat, can we start with you? Check in with yourself how you feel and how you are interacting with the world around you, with the people you love, the people you work with, and the uh, wider world. Uh, Because if nothing else, sleep's important for our emotional well-being and our interactions with others. 
and we are social creatures and we need interaction with others. We want healthy working relationships. Um, so if you want to feel good, make sure your sleep is healthy. Yeah, fantastic. Thank you. Um, Dr. Shelby, what about you? You will be way more efficient in your daily life overall. Um, you will find that you will be better at doing the work. You won't have to multitask as much. You will just be efficient. You will be less moody, less irritable. You will just be able to focus in general. And it will overall help your health too. If you want to benefit all the things you're doing during life, make your sleep better. That's it. That is a good, that is a good pitch. Thank you both of you so much for for coming on the show. Um, it's been a real pleasure. Thank you so much to all of you for listening. If you want to find out more about Dr. Kat and Dr. Shelby, their info and the links to their books are in the show notes. I really hope you enjoyed today's conversation. If you want to share it, do far and wide and make sure you remember to subscribe wherever you get your podcast to make sure you never miss an episode. And if you have a health goal in mind, get in touch. All you need to do is send us a message on Instagram with your goal and sticking going for goal at the start of the message so we don't miss it. That's all for me for this time. I'll catch you next week. Bye. Hey, folks, I'm Mark Marin from the WTF podcast, and this episode is brought to you by Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues your ally to help tackle your allergy symptoms this season. I love the change of seasons, but nobody loves pollen and all those other things floating in the air that make you sneeze during this nice weather. Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues are hypoallergenic and allergist approved. So fight back against watery eyes and runny noses without worrying about irritating your skin. For this allergy season, grab Kleenex and face allergies head on. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince? They exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to Quince.com upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Saving money on exterior wall lights. Now at Menards. Find your style with Patriot Lighting. Exterior lights enhance the look of your home. Choose from over 50 options from Patriot Lighting. Now through May 19th, get $10 instant savings on a single qualifying purchase of $100 or more on in-stock outdoor wall lights. Check out our entire selection of outdoor lights and see the rest of our deals happening now on Menards.com. Save